0: The old world is ending.
1: And we have the opportunity to rethink everything.
0: This is a show about the systemic problems in our world.
1: And the real solutions we have today.
0: To transition from an apocalyptic storm of war, scarcity, and ecological collapse. To create an abundantly advanced collaborative society.
1: That sustains all life.
0: You may think it's an impossible dream.
1: But the alternative is an inevitable nightmare.
0: We're your hosts, Matt Holton,
1: Amanda Smith,
0: and Zachary Marlow. And together,
1: we can move past this economic absurdity
0: and come together to actualize our collective potential to create something completely new. We are Monument Society.
1: Welcome back to the Moneyless Society podcast. Uh, We have here with us today organizers of the U.S. General Strike movement, Lauren and Eliza. Uh, We were lucky enough to connect through mutuals uh, here at Moneyless Society in our signal chats and uh, discovered we have so many alignments when it comes to the Moneyless Society concept and alleviating uh, society, broader society, of the need to labor and work for access of resources we need to survive. Um, And then the labor movement's uh, mission to do the same, essentially, alleviate people's need to uh, extensively work to access shelter, food and water. But on top of that, of course, just uh, get their hands on a living wage and and have a chance. (laughs) You know, in today's economy, um, the chances of survival uh, are increasingly more narrow. And I think that's something that a lot of people aren't paying heed to because we have normalized the struggle and the hustle to the point that we are shamed into thinking that we're just not good enough workers or hard enough workers if we're not surviving, if we're not having a life of leisure and luxury. Uh, But I digress. Uh, We want to get right into it and start with talking about how the two of you came to be involved in this movement. We won't spend a lot of time on that, but it's of course important for the people out there who are listening, wondering how they can get involved. And if, their motivation to get involved is is valid, for lack of better terms, because I know personally before I got involved in several different movements, I just thought I was another, you know, just, just another regular Joe, Jane, whatever, um, that was having a hard time making it through life and my opinion wasn't valid and maybe I just didn't understand everything right. Maybe the system was just more complicated than I can comprehend. So it's really important to break that those barriers down and uh, show people that uh, what they're feeling and what they're thinking is valid, that something isn't right. Uh, so we'll start with Eliza. Eliza, how did you arrive at this point?
2: I arrived at this point, I think, through pretty common channels. Um, I just was really noticing how things were not not right. Um, I grew up really privileged, really lucky, really fortunate. And I was just seeing how other people were not living like I was. Um, I went to Honduras for about six weeks and I lived with a family with 13 children in a mud hut. And I was truly blown away by just the diversity of economic disparity um, in the world and then in this country as well. Um, so from there, I became a labor organizer, um, and that's really, yeah, how I how I got started in the labor movement.
1: Wonderful, thanks for sharing. Uh, so basically, you got out of the country and seen the contrast.
2: Yeah, something. I, I, go ahead. You know. What you were saying kind of brought something up for me, just how we've all gotten so normalized right, to the way things are right now. And then you have glimmers of instances that pop up that snap you out of it and make you realize how truly wrong it is the way things are going. So Logan Grendel on Instagram, who's focused on infinity and he's in our kind of strike network, um, put it so clearly with the murder of Jordan Neely on the subway and how in New York city and how people just stood and watched, um, and said, oh, he's having a dangerous mental health outburst while he was screaming, I don't have food. I don't have water. I'm starving. Help me. Mm -hmm. Um, and people just thought it was okay for him to be murdered in that moment. Um, but really what it was, was anyone in that level of desperation, in that moment of like as human beings, Logan put it so well, as human beings, we are meant to receive help when we need help. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, We are meant to call out and receive care from others. And in that moment, the fact that he couldn't, would have driven any any one of us to that to that point so i think every day there's things that pop up that that show how messed up it is the way we're living today Yeah, I couldn't agree
1: more. And I'm so glad that you brought up that particular story, something I plan on uh, touching on as well. Um, and And it makes such a somber and profound example of how desensitized and detached from reality we are as a society. The fact that this individual is standing there screaming at the top of his lungs the things that we've all probably felt, those of us that have struggled uh, to the point of desperation, but were not bold enough to say out loud, to articulate. But I tell you, I've had moments when I just wanted to scream at the top of my lungs, this is bullshit. Why is it so fucking hard to survive? It shouldn't be that way. And the slogan you speak of, we'll, we'll be sure and link their information in the bottom because that sounds like um, an ever important message It needs to be shared. Uh, and what I take from that is the fact that not only are we meant to be able to ask in receive. Uh, But that speaks furthermore to the fact that we are not supposed to have to prove our worth to receive. Mm. You know, we are inherently valuable. We are inherently worthy, quote unquote, of the things it takes to survive. I mean, that's just inarguable, inarguable. I mean, I hate to be absolutist or fundamentalist there, but I mean, trees need sun, water, and you know soul whatever okay we're humans we need shelter we need water we need food we need community it's really no different just because we walk on two feet and have mm. a consciousness we're still all a form of life that requires certain things to survive and those things should not be held for ransom by the ruling class and corporations to the point that we have people like jordan who suffer and end up being killed by the society that that won't support the fact that we need our basic needs met. Literally killed. Um, but moving on to uh, Lauren, what brought you to this point?
3: Eliza and I grew up together uh, in a small town just outside New York City. And so we've known each other for a long time. And I think for me, it was really, as it is for so many people, like a boiling frog situation where... I would, they'd be like, oh yeah, like you can go to the doctor, but it's like a ton of money. Or like, you know, walking through New York City and seeing so many people unhoused. And then as I got older, reading more about the statistics behind that and where the money's actually going and just being like, there is a better way. Like, I know there is. Like, we need to take care of each other. Like, this is messed up. Um, and it really, for me, came to a helm after, you know, after and during the COVID-19 crisis, just seeing people at their absolute most vulnerable, not being able to get care and seeing information not being clear to the public and just how political it all became. Um, and that's when Eliza and I were like, we really need to, to do something. And that's where we started reaching out to folks and talking more about the general strike. So it was, uh, it was a really long road for me uh, that is just sort of coming out now in in this exciting way
1: all right awesome and that segues beautifully actually into my first question about the work that you two are doing um what are the logistics of your organizing uh what are the steps you're taking how are you bringing people together and to what end uh is has it been successful so far if that's not too much to sum up at once
2: So we've been using digital organizing strategies that I used at different labor campaigns at an organization called United for Respect, formerly our Walmart, and also at the Fight for 15 um, with SEIU. So basically, what we do is we use social media to identify what we call hand raisers. And those are People who are already fed up—they've already reached their breaking point. They've already, you know, as Lauren mentioned, reached that boiling frog moment where they've had enough. Um, and we use different pathways to funnel them in. We have a TikTok that has almost thirty-five thousand followers. Um, we have an Instagram. We have different kind of partners who are reaching out to people and talking about a general strike.
1: Like and then,
2: us. <laughs> yes, exactly. Like Moneyless Society, they sign up on the strike card and then we get them further engaged by adding them to our Discord, um, sending them emails and occasionally texts um, to get them more involved. And that's called an online to offline pathway of engagement. So bringing folks from behind their computer screens into Zoom meetings with other members.
1: Okay, beautiful breakdown because that's something that we're approaching here at Moneyless Society. And that's how to walk that line and, and balance that, uh, that dual uh, need for you know recruiting online, basically, through the, the tool that is social media and, um, and forums. And then making things happen, IRL. And, and there's such a wall there in between the two because people tend to get stuck in uh, these... Uh- loops of catharsis um you know like okay somebody somebody resonates with what i said they agree with what i said this feels great i'm going to keep doing this and some people don't break out of that cycle and i don't mean to be critical of anyone but i mean i myself is ha- have had to remind myself hey we've got to actually get offline and do things that actually make the change that we're after that we want to see so um I- that's awesome to hear that you all have tackled that and seen some success, some success from that to some degree
3: Yeah, I would also just add that um, how I see our role and how I think Eliza does as well is we're not necessarily, and it's, it ties into what you were saying, Eliza. We're not trying to reinvent the wheel here. Like there are so many people who have been working on this for years, who are loud and who are talking about it, and then we're just doing our best where we can provide connections between people, can provide a home base where there's not one already, grow the network. You know what I mean? Like I think that's really where I see our our role is like supporting folks who have been doing this for a long time as well.
1: Right on, right on. And on that note, uh, this probably is a good. Uh, time to bring up the general strike card and ask that one of you make the distinction um, as to why it's different from a petition and how it helps you to do that online to offline actualization, that organizing that ends up making an impact on the ground.
3: I can take it and you can add, Eliza. Um So what the digital strike card is, it was a really great idea that Eliza brought up to me um, because she's used a strike card in her past organizing efforts. And she was like, what if we make like a really simple thing, we'll put it online, like people can share it, it'll be a digital strike card. And so we're like, cool. And we talked to our friend who's a coder, and she made this super simple, super beautiful little card. And it's on our website, generalstrikeus.com. And it's on the partner websites of all our partners. And it's... Um, on the social media profiles of our of our other of our social media influencer partners. And what it is is just a card. you just put in your basic information, your name, your zip code, some contact information. And when you sign that card, you're signing up. You're saying, when we have reached a critical mass of people who are ready to strike, I'm there. I'll strike, I'll participate. And so there's research, there's a BBC article, we can link it in this podcast, that analyzed many successful strikes in the past. And one thing it discovered or it uncovered is that successful strikes engaged 3.5% of the population. So for us in the US, 3.5% of our population is 11 million people. So what we're doing is we're using that number to say, hey, when we have 11 million people committed to striking, we're ready to go. Like, we will be successful. So we're using that as a marker. And the strike card is a really important piece of that because it's our metric. It helps us know how close are we to strike day. A lot of strikes will pick a day. They'll say May Day. They'll say another day. And we support anyone who wants to strike, don't get me wrong. Like, it's, it's a process where uh, we totally support other strikes. But what we're doing a little bit differently is we're saying, our strike day will be when we're ready. And the strike card is how we count how close we are to that day. Um, So if anyone out there wants to get a strike card up on their site, let us know. We can totally help you out. It's just a a simple piece of code. The other important piece is that it offers transparency. On our website, we have the total number of strike cards that are signed and the total number that are remaining. So it's kind of a way for everyone who's part of our like decentralized network to have like a core metric to know where we're at um, to sort of be transparent with that process.
1: If I can jump in really quickly before you may add to that, Eliza, another distinction I think is important to make, um, and you said it in so many words, but I've, in certain terms, it's, it's powerful. In signing a general strike card, you're pledging to be active, to actively participate in the subsequent steps it takes to materialize the demands that you all are asserting. Um, versus when you sign a petition, well, that's it. You're done. You leave your signature, your comment, you share it. And not to say that you aren't helping. It's it's very important to get people you know, on common ground. I think that's what petitions do ultimately. But you don't have any further commitment after that. And this is a follow-through commitment. You sign that card and you're saying, not only do I support a general strike, but I'm going to be there to make it happen. That's the important thing. And then also the metric. Beautiful. Love that you brought that up. But it's a formidable number to consider, 11 million. And so my mind goes to the strikes going on in France right now and the fact that they have over a million people in the streets any given day here lately. To protest against, you know, the, the pension, um, the pension reform uh, is why I use quotation marks because, as we know, reform is useless in capitalist societies or any society that has a top-down power structure. Uh, but I digress. the The numbers that they've been able to get together and be successful at this point in their organizing, I'm not sure that they used anything like a general strike card. But what they did use was um, already established entities such as unions. They got unions together, which were already comprised of lots and lots of people, and already had structure, already had people committed and doing things on a routine basis. So it wasn't like you were starting from scratch and starting from the ground up, trying to find people, gather them in one place, keep up with them, get them to attend meeting after meeting, get them to commit to this action or that action item. You already had established groups of people doing routine activism to some degree. And I feel like that is going to be the next step for the journal strike us movement. Do, do either of you agree with that?
2: Yeah. I would also say that I've organized about 15 strikes and nice. We work, we work backwards. So we work with a goal, Mm -hmm. say it's 11 million. We need to get, Double that to actually commit, and then we kind of work backwards. It's called the rule of halves. So say, say you go out and talk to ten people, and five sign up, only three will make it towards that next step. Right. So whereas a petition is a list of names, a strike card is that first pa- step down the pathway towards actually putting your whole labor on the line, putting your actual body on the line. Um, and to your point about um,
3: seeing that as a next step, in um, yes, 100%, like we need to tap into as many existing networks as possible, um, a la France and the unions. <laughs> and that's what we're doing with like moneyless society. We're like, reaching out to Anyone who has aligned interests with us and which, you know, is a lot of freaking people mm-hmm. because a lot of people Whether they work. realize it or not, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, a lot of people work and a lot of people are falling victim to, you know, having their rights taken away as workers. And unions are a great place to start with that. So I encourage anyone listening uh, to reach out if you feel like you're in a position to connect us with unions. Um, at the same time, we're starting that, those conversations on our end as well.
1: Beautiful. Yeah, that's a call to action that needed to be said. And I would add to that, if you are already a member of a union, sign that strike card, maybe talk to your union organizers, see if they would like to adopt a strike card URL for their union website for your union group. Um, And and just start pollinating and that you know, in that way, get get everybody in a union to sign a strike card, but more so to have the conversations about how we can coalesce into one big, powerful body uh, of people who go out in the streets or not just withhold their labor protest, what have you, and actually make it somewhere this time. Uh, So, and when I say make it somewhere this time in regards to the demands that we are asserting at this point, which are unprecedented in in contrast to to demands that have been made uh, in earlier iterations of labor movements.
3: And I just want to say also like, if you want to have a strike on your site, great. But there's lots of levels to it. We're here. We're a discussion. We're like a decentralized, like group of people of workers. Like you were saying, like you don't need to have your ideas fully formed. Like if you want to talk through a partnership, it can look different. We could We're totally open and flexible to making this something that works for all different kinds of people and all different kinds of groups.
1: Beautiful, necessary. Were you going to say something, Eliza?
2: Yeah, I think. Our organizing strategy is really unique, whereas we are labor organizing, and I stand by that, even though we're doing it online, even though we're not going industry by industry or shop by shop, we are labor organizing. Whereas unions start from one store and they start unionizing that industry within one workforce, we're skipping ahead to locating regardless of industry, regardless of where you work, regardless of if you're disabled and don't work or you work somewhere in a less official job, we're starting from how mad are you? Mm. How fired up are you? And we're using social media to build momentum Amongst people, regardless of industry. So we're going at it from a different direction, but that doesn't mean we, you know, we all have the same goals in mind, if that makes sense.
1: Oh, it makes perfect sense. It sounds like you're saying that um, the general strike US movement is the non-denominational hub in terms of industries when it comes to people coming together on the common ground that they're pissed and tired. Of uh, you know working conditions, uh, below living wages, uh, you know you name it, um, and and giving people that space to let everything else fall away as far as their their uh, respective industries go, and just fight together to for everyone to you know receive the equality that we all deserve as the working class. Um, love that, uh, but before I go down a rabbit hole, being all mad and start ranting and stuff. Um, I have one more question when it comes to the general strike, the card, the way you're organizing and speaking to trying to get unions to work together for this cause. Um, One major pro that I perceive in getting unions to coalesce and other groups you know, in factions from different industries um, is the fact that as entities, they have more weight in a lot of ways, but particularly they probably have a lot more resources that would help build the mutual aid network that is going to be necessary for a large scale strike. So if you get 10 people together, well, they may have ten different skills that'll be helpful for that particular neighborhood that they live in. But if you get ten unions together, then you've got money to help people pay their bills while you strike for a month. You've got legal protections. You've got just various forms of support that maybe individuals can't always, uh, you know, provide.
2: Unions are essential to this effort. As someone who organized with unions with SCIU for many years. It's a David and Goliath battle, trying to unionize McDonald's, trying to unionize Amazon. These corporations are so powerful and they overpower their workforce. So yes, while unions do have money um, by garnishing workers' paychecks and gathering dues, I believe that there are ways to build solidarity and build strike funds that are outside of unions. So the DSA fund is one that's doing it. The Amazon labor union, you know, they haven't been officially recognized yet, but they have a large, um, fund for worker solidarity and they have a large strike fund. So while it is important to work with unions and to tap into the resources that unions provide, we believe that people power and a large number of workers is all we need to win.
1: Right on. Because when you get, as you were saying before, Lauren, um, uh, how is it said, mass a mass amount of people ready to tackle this issue all at once, then you've tipped the scales. You've you've won to some degree because the scales have tipped. And it's obvious that the people are unsettled and are not going to any longer accept anything less than what is deserved and what is demanded. Um, So I totally agree with you there, um, Eliza, uh, to a great degree. And uh, it's interesting to learn that, I mean, we all know that, you know, like the Amazon, unrecognized Amazon union is, you know, raising money and a lot of people are out there raising money successfully. Uh, So it's just a matter, again, of getting every Everyone on the same page on their common ground whether you're coming from an unofficially recognized union or official union or just an individual or just somebody who's you know tired of the nine to five and barely making it by uh there's a place for you in this movement uh, i'm going to Peep my notes because we had so much to try and cover, and it's all it's also very important. Uh, the contrast between um, occupy movements and withholding your labor. Would either of you like to speak to that, and uh, and then maybe go a little further to highlight what withholding our labor, um, the the leverage of that uh, versus the, the the tried and somewhat
2: true uh, occupy movements. Occupy was a hugely successful movement. But one of the biggest critiques of Occupy was that there were no clear demands and it all just kind of dissipated. Now, I have a different opinion on Occupy. I think Occupy funneled into tons of different really successful labor movements um, like the Fight for 15. And I don't think all that momentum and power just went away. I think it made real, real change to our society. And it made it possible for workers to say, actually, the 1% should not get the entire share. Like, I deserve a share of the pie. Um, that said, I do think the general strike is different than Occupy. Um In the sense that we're taking it one step further and we're saying, okay, if we are the 99%, and if the 1% is taking way more than their fair share, we need to take it back. And we need to act in a coordinated way that will actually get us what we deserve, um, which is power and control over the means of production. So if we stop working, that shifts the scales and that, that tips the scales in our favor.
1: Losing my ears, but that's a beautiful point to make and needed to be made because, uh, well, at least from my perspective, and, and please either of you correct me if I'm wrong, but on some level, maybe a very fundamental one, what I perceive the biggest probing uh, of withholding labor versus the traditional Occupy movements, where you go and actually try to physically occupy spaces or um, inhibit people from accessing them, inhibit the um, production and manufacturing from continuing, like physically inhibiting it. Um, The biggest pro I see is the fact that a less people in the streets, less people um, getting hurt. That's my big thing is less people getting hurt. Nobody deserves to be killed over graffitiing a bank or even throwing a Molotov cocktail, but they will. And my big concern are uh, is the fact that people will get hurt if they go to the streets. And time and time again, that's what we end up doing is going to the streets. And that just gives our military industrial complex uh, slash uh, policing complex more excuse to police us and harm us and oppress us. So in my simple little brain, I see this perhaps naive um, vision of a, a robust mutual aid network that allows for people to sit right at home and not leave their house and spend time with their families and reorient themselves with what it was they wanted to do with their life to begin with and not go out into the streets and not end up getting maimed or killed by the police and not having to physically protest to uh a degree of violence that just sets everything back and harms more people than it actually helps. Um, so so again, that might be a utopian type version of a general strike, but it's the one I would like to see unfold. And I wonder to what degree that is even possible. If either of you can speak to that.
3: Um, I will say that when strike day comes with 11 million people across our massive nation, like it's gonna look really different for... all different people you know and that's something that we sort of encourage like we're not trying to say you have to do this on strike day you don't you know um but really what we're focusing on is not going to work is not doing your normal life and in doing that we stop the process we stop the products from being made we stop the services from being happen from happening from you can't go to a restaurant you can't go to a store you know and and in doing that, we show the power that we as workers have. Like, we make the 1% wealthy. We make the bosses, the CEOs, the politicians, like, they live their lives because of the work that we do. Mm-hmm. And so we can stop working and we can stop this process that is steamrolling us. Um, so, yes, mutual aid will be a huge part of that. Obviously, we would want it to be as comfortable as possible. Um, but a, a period of discomfort... I believe is 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 needed, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, and and if you think about your normal lives, or you think of the lives of your neighbors, um, if you think of all the ways that they're being wronged, like having to work constantly just to get by just to have food just to have shelter, you know, that's not right either. So, you know, it's it's a really hard call. And and it's, it's a tough one to weigh like, is, is some discomfort necessary to have a better future that is more fair?
1: Right on. And you led right into what I hoped that we would get to. And that is the fact um, that taking these steps, these measures that will lead to some discomfort and maybe worse for some folks um, is necessary to a degree. Because as, as you know, I'm sure in this society, especially in Western society, um, not until we are very uncomfortable do we bother to do something about anything. You know, like it's just for some reason can't be enough that uh, we know better. <laughs> we, we have to be jolted from our seats. Um, and, and I'm with you on the fact that uh, a period of sacrifice is more than worth, uh, you know, an indefinite future uh, that's more promising and more comfortable and saner and healthier and happier to live in.
2: And there's a lot of people that use... Um the discussion of mutual aid and some, they say, you know, some folks can't afford to strike. What about the people who can't afford to strike? Um, and that's a really valid point, but I just think back to Jordan Neely on that subway begging for his life, screaming at the top of his lungs that he can't, he needs help. He needs food. He needs water. He needs shelter. If, if you don't have your, your eyes and your ears open right now to the fact that there are so many people in our society, in homeless encampments, in unhoused encampments, in our major cities, in subways, in churches, all across our country that are already screaming for help. They're already saying we can't afford to go on like this and we can't live like we are right now. So I say it's, it's a matter of whether or not you're ready now to do something about that. We already can't afford to go on like we are going on. Um, and there are already people that are saying that. So on a socioeconomic
1: level, Jordan becomes the poster child for those that are struggling to that degree and all of us to some degree. And of course, an extremely unfortunate loss. Um, in the battle for a better world. Uh, And when you say we really can't afford to keep going on like this, well, that's true on so many levels. And uh, at this point, it's, it's probably a good time to mention the climate breakdown Uh, aspect of the the trajectory that we're currently on because of our excessive production um of needless trivial things and fossil fuel industry and all that jazz the thing i look forward to the most uh when inevitably a general strike does happen and it does eventually lead to a reduction in production and consumerism as jason Hickel uh would would love to talk more about um Uh, degrowth, hashtag degrowth, uh, is the fact that we will see improvements in our climate due to the fact that We aren't working as much and we aren't commuting back and forth to work as much. And some of us may not even need cars any longer because we don't have to commute back and forth to work, which of course threatens the car industry and the fossil fuel industry. Just like, you know, um, subscribing to degrowth in some ways might uh, threaten the petrochemical hub because we're not making as many uh, plastics, you know, and so on and so forth. But the impacts are so incredibly profound, they're nearly imperceivable. When you think about what degrowth could do and how it couples with the labor movement um, in terms of not only reducing how much labor we're putting out, but how much we're consuming and how healthy that would be
2: for society and the world at this point overall. Exactly. People are not killing the planet. People in the Amazon rainforest people who, you know, don't recycle when they should, those that is not the reason why our climate is in jeopardy and our planet is dying. It is corporations and corporations that need to be stopped in order to save our planet.
1: Yeah, and how do we stop them? We stop giving them our labor and in turn we stop supporting them through consumerism. And we do that by deciding as one big body of people who have had enough that we are no longer supporting the decimation of our world as we know it and our lives on a daily basis. Now, I know you all needed to wrap up uh, hard cut off here in a little bit. Is there anything that either of you would like to tell our listeners? And before I turn you loose on that, perhaps conjure up some of the spirit, remind yourself of what's going on around the world right now in France, especially. And then, you know, in the spirit of Jordan and uh, that terrible loss, Um, what is it we're faced with? What is it we need to do? Let's rally us all together and make this happen.
3: Yeah, I just wanted to say, uh, when we talked to Richard, He brought this up, too, that when he was doing his work talking about how capitalism is not serving us, when he was doing it 10 years ago, he had to dance around the issue. He couldn't straightforwardly say what he wanted to say to the masses. And now things are different. I feel the tide changing. I feel, you know, with COVID, with Occupy, like we're finally at a critical time due to the hard work of many people that came before us, we're like, this is in the discussion. It's in the zeitgeist. And it's so exciting. And I think so many people are saying, hey, we deserve more. And I just feel so inspired by our, par- our partners that we get to work with, like Moneyus, and just linking up with other people who are down. And so we can do this. And I'm just excited to see uh, to see who else we get to connect with and to to build this thing together. Right on.
2: I would say people overcomplicate you know what it is we're doing and and what it is we need to change the world and i think it's mostly people are coming at it from a place of fear um what will happen if we strike okay if we don't have capitalism what then how how will i buy a bike and get to enjoy it if there's no capitalism how will i up, how will i be able to strive for the quality of life that I want. Um, And I just am so appreciative of Moneyless Society and other groups who are dreaming that future and giving us hope that even, you know, after all is said and done, like, we're just building something unknown. And it's scary, but it's also exciting to see what the possibilities are in the future. And we need people like Moneyless Society, people like Richard Wolf, people um, like, you know, everyone right now dreaming about a general strike and what would happen after because we need to create something that hasn't been done before. And that's really hard. And that's really scary. But it is possible.
3: Oh, so that's get, get yes. at us. You can email us at info at generalstrikeus.com. Again, info at generalstrikeus.com. And we're there and we're checking it and let's do something great together.
1: Any other really important links or um, information that the viewers who are interested in getting involved
2: need to know? Of course, we'll link everything in the bottom. Go to generalstrikeus.com and sign your strike card because the sooner we get to 11 million, the sooner we can actually change this world. All right. Yeah,
3: we're we're on all the things. We're on on TikTok, we're on Insta, we're on there. But find whatever works for you. That's
2: what we're all about. Like we're out there, you know where to find us. Um... But also, if you were uplifted or inspired by anything that was said today, you do not need permission from the general strike from Lauren, from myself, to go out and do what you do, build your own general strike movement. We do not own, own this fight. This is not our fight. This is everyone's fight. So please, if you had an idea of ways to take action, go forth and do. That is awesome
1: and everything that everyone needed to hear. Uh, Like you said, it is everyone's fight and you don't need permission. As a good friend of mine in Northern California with a charity called Humanist, Humanist Global Charity says, you don't need to ask permission to be free. We're inherently free, but then we're stuck into this system that makes us labor and purchase our right to live. And that's just not the way it's supposed to be. And we're here to change that together and each in our own ways. You too, with the labor movement and all the people that are behind you and us here at Moneyless Society, as you said, working on the new emergent and sometimes scary world that will meet our needs more abundantly and equitably than any than anyone's ever seen in the history of humankind. It's yet to come and it's imminent. And that's the most beautiful thing. Even if we don't get to see it in our time, we have made it happen by taking steps, being bold enough to step forward and raise our voices and let people know that they have options. That's what it comes down to is reminding people that it doesn't have to be this
2: way. If, if the general strike is anything and if we accomplish anything, I hope that we can show people that they have power and that they can use it by withholding their labor And by putting their energy towards what they want to see happen in the world. And the more people who know their own power, the better this world is going to be. So...
1: Couldn't agree with that more. Well, thank you uh, for all that you have invested into making the world a better place. Um, it has been such an honor working with the two of you throughout this um, month or so, uh, especially, you know, getting to have that conversation with Professor Wolf. Um, I think that uh, we're all on the right track here and and we're headed in the right direction.
0: Next time somebody tells you capitalism created the world, just very simply correct them, no labor did. Human beings created this world. Human creativity, ingenuity, science, and ultimately collaboration created the world that we live in today. And by that same principle, this episode was created by human labor, by the labor of love that is Moneyless Society, a teamwork, an organization, an operation that is growing in size, scope, and scale that takes a lot of hands to get this Brilliant, beautiful content that we know you love so much. So if you love what we do, please support us. Support us on Patreon. You can donate directly through our website. We have a nonprofit, so it's tax deductible. The more donations we have, the more resources we have coming in, the more we can do this full time, the more people we can have doing it. And the more we can work to build a better world, to do what we say we are doing to put food in people's bellies, to create new networks, to create an organized effort to meet our needs together and to do something bigger than we could do alone. So if this episode touched you, reach out, get involved, join us, go into our Discord group or the Discord group of the General Strike group. We will link all of this in the description and get involved. Start organizing on your local level. Start building community, start building networks of support, start getting together with the people in your life and asking, hey, why are we living our lives separately? Why are we all living like individuals? Why aren't we working together? Why are we organizing? Why don't we something about this? Why do we tolerate this? Ultimately, it's going to come down to us. It's going to come down to you. It's going to come down to every one of us getting over ourselves, coming together into organizations that are larger than us and doing something new, doing something different, doing something wonderful and beautiful and exciting. Glad you guys enjoyed the show. Thanks for following, subscribing, liking, all the things. And of course, of course, can't forget... If you want to go deeper into these concepts and get dig deeper into what Moneyless Society is all about, check out our other shows and check out the Moneyless Society book, available now. As always, a better world is imminently possible, but it's possible proportional to how much you give a shit and how hard we work at it, because they're not coming for us. We are all we've got. We are the ones we've been waiting
1: for. Over and out.